This is our league, and this is your league. From the 55-yard line on CFL America Radio and the Sports History Network. Stand by, 15 seconds to air. Stand by, old camera, and videotape. Ready with your opening graphics. Stand by, Howard. Here we come, Frank. Ready, Don. Stand by, audio, your opening music, and roll tape. Take tape. There's a rhythm to this place, a pulse. You can feel it on the streets, in the air, in the way people move, a heartbeat. At the center of our nation, it's rail and air travel, the ventricles and arteries that connect east to west. As far as cities go, it's hard to find them with more personality. Chicago, this is the next stop on my journey. A journey that has taken me from battlefields to football fields in a quest to better understand the country I love. One NFL city at a time. And so I'm here to try and understand the pulse of this place. What's important to this community, its people, and the issues that matter to them most. Because if we can better that understanding, even just a little, we can all be in better rhythm. B.B. King once said, there's a sadness to all kinds of music, if you want to hear it. There's also a happiness to it, if you want to hear it. To find the heart of that beat, I went right to the source, Rosa's Lounge. A spot that Rolling Stone magazine called Blues Mecca for True Believers. A place where on any given night, Little Ed, Billy Boy, John Primer, or Melody Angel's lyrics are a reflection of a city with a complicated history both past and present, with a community that brought this sound north. So 1910 to 1970, roughly that time, was, was the Great Migration you know, in America, where a lot of African Americans were, were fleeing the south to come north you know, to escape the Jim Crow laws. And, and with that came music, 
you know, came the yeah. blues from Mississippi. Yeah, so, economics too. People migrated to Chicago because it was jobs. He was picking cotton for 50 cent a day, and you came to Chicago because these different factories paying 50 cent an hour. That's four times yeah. better. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so if your cousin, he'd come to Chicago, and he'd get him a job, and he's doing pretty good, he'd tell his other cousin, his friend, his uncle, and everybody, that's uh, people would come to Chicago. Or they brought their music with him. Chicago blues is life, feelings, emotions. Because we all have different feelings and different thoughts. Right. And when we bring it out to the people, then it hits everybody. Because I could be playing and, so, and might be three or four people say, oh man, that's cool. Primer might get up there and then four or five more might come up and go, man, that's what I want to hear. It's a complimentary thing. It just brings us all together. That's how you reach everybody out there. Yeah. John, you, you came up here for work. You came up here yeah. for the, the industries, the factories. Yeah. You can't make it in Chicago, you can't make it nowhere. Why is that? <laughs> the place goes a lot of work here, but now it's hard. It's hard to make it in Chicago. And that's why so much crime and hate. I hear these these stories and I think, okay, so this is this is a long time ago. Everything's better now, you know. But on the way over here, Melody, my Uber driver told me that Chicago is the most segregated city in America. Well, your Uber driver was telling you the truth. Even poor white people in Chicago find an area to live without black people in it. It's a choice that they're making. And then on the other side, it's economics, of course. Things are better, but things haven't changed. It's still that way all right. Every place I go is that way. The, the, you know I've what's changed? There. You know what's there. changed? Back then, back in the day, they did not have to hide. Their you're talking hate, about their racism. You're talking about the, because you know, like separate but equal. All these things we talk about. Right. It wasn't underneath. It was on the surface anyway. But now, in the Trump era, you're getting back to a place where they don't have to hide anymore. You know, I was walking down the street in uh, where was I in Beverly? I was going to somebody's party, and a group of white boys drove past me and said, "Get out of here." How do they feel comfortable yeah. saying that to me? Maybe in 2018, movies. people are comfortable. And when they're comfortable, the violence increases, yeah. the hate speech increases, and we, we are where we are. I, I understand where Melody is coming from, but for me, my, I was raised to respect everybody. I think she Not said just, that too. Just the whites or the blacks, everybody. That's the point. So I, I don't have an issue in that, in that perspective. We don't have an issue. You have an issue with us. That's what the dialogue comes from. Like, I'm trying to resolve the issue you have with my community. In the midst of World War I, the 1918 World Series was almost canceled, but Babe Ruth and the Boston Red Sox faced the Chicago Cubs here, not at the friendly confines of Wrigley, but at the site of the old Comiskey Park. During game one of that series, the Star-Spangled Banner, not yet the national anthem, was played during the seventh inning stretch, and a tradition was born. A hundred years later, I'm here, on that site, with retired Bears Pro Bowl running back, Matt Forte. This is obviously old Comiskey Park. This is the actual place where the home plate was. And you know, you can imagine the stadium back then. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's obviously a lot bigger now. Yeah. 
unless things are continuously at the forefront and we keep talking about it and keep digging in on these things and communicating, do you think the message has been lost or do you think the message is, is still uh, you know, hanging tough? I think the message is hanging tough. Many people in history have protested things and it, I think Colin you know, Kaepernick should be revered as you know, like how Muhammad Ali was when he refused to go to Vietnam. It's hard, I think, for a lot of people that have a different perspective of those symbols. And if a symbol isn't being representative to everybody, mm -hmm. how uh, it's supposed to be reflected, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, I understand that, you know, it still hurts me when I see it. But what would hurt me more is, is people pledging an allegiance out of obligation, yeah. you know, when they don't feel counted as equal. Mm -hmm. Do you think that now that you're, you're retired, it's more comfortable and it's easier to kind of speak out? Would you have had a greater fear wearing that uniform, wearing that shield at that time? If I were playing still today, I think I'd feel the same way and I would say the same thing because I would just be more educated on the issue. Often lost is the issue at the heart of Kaepernick's protest, an issue all too familiar to the residents of Chicago, a city that despite his charms is among the country's most violent. And for Matt Forte, it's the education about the issue that prompted a desire to ride along with Commander Bradley of the Chicago Police Department. He's chasing a guy with a gun. So somebody has a gun? Yeah. A couple officers chasing him with a pistol. I had never been in a police car, let alone just riding along and seeing what he does and earned a lot more respect than I already had for him because I had no idea what their daily day-to-day -day routine was. What's up, man? What's happening? Don't, don't. Hey, I'm not a, I'm not a. <laughs> you see? You see? Yep. You see, see that's what we were it. talking about. You right. didn't even want to yep. shake my hand. No. I used to play for the Bears. You watch the Bears? <laughs> see, the, the narrative, even to the young kids, is that all police officers are bad. And that's not the case. So we, we got to find some kind of common ground. He didn't even know or realize that I played for the Bears. And then once, even when we told him, he said, F you, you know? It was something that kind of just revealed to me like how, how important his job is, but how, how dangerous his job is as well. Sometimes they have to make split-second decisions. You know, it's not a lot of sitting back and like waiting to try to assess what's the exact thing that might help, right. um, you know, calm the situation down. They might have to just react. That's, you know, the tough part about their job. I think like just, just like <laughs> the issues we're having in our country right now about you know, everything's binary, it's all this way or all that way. And like you said, you have to make those incredibly quick decisions, you know, and with major repercussions, um, going both ways, right. you know. Right. Um, so, so, I mean, how do you, how is that thought process for you when you're out there, when you're, actually, in a, uh, when you're in a situation? When you go through the academy, you go through all this training, and it tries to prepare you for when you go out on the street. I think over time, you learn, and with experience, you get to learn how to handle different situations. And it's pretty clear cut kind of what the guidelines are. Now, when making decisions, you know, you are guided by law and procedure and stuff like that, but you can also have discretion, okay? And as you get more time and more seasoning on a job, I think the discretion part 
comes into play more. There was like a, a Department of Justice report I was reading about after the, the Laquan McDonald case and all that stuff, right? And it came out and it was saying, through their report, there, there, was, there was a clear difference in the way um, in, in certain neighborhoods in Chicago that people of color were treated or, or maybe had interactions with police versus you know, white people. If you're not from that area or you're not used to dealing with that culture, right. it's a learning curve, okay? Because, and like what me and Matt talked about, when you call the police, you're not having a good day. Right. So most interactions between police and citizens are either they start off as a negative encounter or they wind up as a negative encounter. So what we try to do is positive community interactions where police and community get together, you know, at a cookout or right. at, you know, at an outdoor roll call where, you know, we're all standing together against a violent act that might have happened. So right. they get to see the human side of us. We all bleed red, man. Yes, yes we do, <laughs> yes we do. Commander Bradley, I want to ask you, what are your hopes uh, for the community as we continue to move forward and continue to progress and, you know, improve these relations? My hope is that us as police officers and the community in return look at each other as people, okay? People in the community working towards reducing violence, making it where kids can, can walk to school and don't have to worry about getting shot, playing outside, um, and just working together, you know? I want them to look at police officers as part of the community. My mission to explore the city of Chicago continues. Sure, it's a bit cliche and on the nose, but come on, it's pizza. I mean Giordano's, Chicago-style pizza. If you want to go ahead and try to roll I one. I want to try. You can laugh at me, it's all right. Flip it and send it back to the bottom. Pizza king, mate, no problem. I got it. Pull it a little bit, stretching it out. All right. You spin it around. Oh, I got to try to spin it. This. I can't do that, man. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago is kind of a melting pot. You have, it has some of the best restaurants in the world. The guys that started Giordano's came over from Torino, Italy, which is way up in the north. Our stuffed pizza's origin was basically, it's, it's an Italian Easter cake. Then when they came over here to Chicago, they converted and said, hey, can we turn mom's stuffed Easter cake into a pizza? And they converted it into what we are today. How much cheese do I need to grab? 24 ounces. 24 ounces, so just kind of feel it out. Fill it up. That's good. Oh, yes. Actually, God, I'm no, so good at this. It's not enough. It's not enough? That's, no. You gotta make what? Make your lids. Oh, my lids? Yes. Oh, come on. Am I pushing down yeah, to the cheese? Exactly. Okay, cool. You're doing very good. All right. Yeah. I appreciate you lying to me. Yeah, what about the, the pizza specifically, though? Speaks to the beat of Chicago. It's, it's so unique to Chicago, because it's a meal. One piece is probably enough, but I challenge most people to have two pieces. Slide it out. There you go, man. Hey, it's, it's, it's a pizza. Just the energy, everybody's like, people are fans of the city, They're fan, everyone everybody, loves the team, they're proud the, of it. And the Bears are the one thing that everybody in Chicago agrees on. They're our team, and Giordano's is, is our pizza. You did a pretty darn good job at it. I'm you know, so much better at eating them. Yeah, well that, and I would stick with that long term, yes, for sure. You know, schematically, we're gonna do things a little differently maybe than usual because of who we're playing and how they play. If you're not bought in for that, feel free to leave. There's a reason we're the only CTS team to ever win a state championship. Twice. Because we do things differently. So if you can't handle it, this is the time where after today, come see me, we'll shake hands, we'll part ways, and I'm okay with that. 
Otherwise, you are bought in as a full team member, and you'll do whatever is asked and required of you. Any questions about that? All right. Coach Troy McAllister left Canada and in 2009 took a job nobody wanted. Head football coach at Wendell Phillips Academy. Located just three miles from Soldier Field on Chicago's south side, a notoriously violent neighborhood, home to a reported 100,000 active gang members. This is my next stop, to meet a remarkable man who has turned around a program on the field, now looking for their third state championship since he took over and the lives of countless young men. There's a ton of stories about the struggles of Southside Chicago and how it's a tough place to live and it's, it's violent, it's dangerous, but I think it's so important for people to understand and, and see like what's going on here and that it's not just this hopeless place. I think you really have to have an open mind. This was kind of one of the worst jobs in America. Uh, it was one of the worst schools in America and it was turned around by the Academy for Urban School Leadership. Everyone wants to belong to something. Right, and, and for a young man and myself growing up, I just wanted to belong to something, and, and sports was my avenue. We knew with a lot of the young men here, it was the avenue for them to belong to something. And in the south side of Chicago, the difference is there's a lot of gangs, and that's belonging. And we felt with what we are doing with football, we could provide a channel for young men to come in and be a part of something, and, and be a part of something special. What we've done over the last five, six years is these guys are literally making history each and every week that they play football at Phillips because they're raising the bar and, and they're doing things that have never been done in the state of Illinois before. And that's a pretty special feeling. It's something that's pretty cool to belong to. What's been the, the biggest thing you've had to overcome throughout your whole life? And, and you know, how is going to school here helped you get past that? I say, uh dealing with my family. Like my father is incarcerated. But like coming here, it's really been it's really been helping me because being around a man like Coach Troy every single day of my life, it really it, like he's a good role model. Right. He always stand on his word and lead by example. He'll tell you to do something and you'll do it because you don't want to let him down. Like you know he does right and whenever you like you don't even have to be around them. You just be like, you could be with your friends or something, and you just be thinking like, oh, I don't want to do anything wrong. You just be thinking about what would Coach Troy say to me if, if he knew I was doing this. How important was it to get on that winning track? And then with that, with those wins and with the state championships, what changes have you seen in the kids you know, that are coming in as freshmen and leaving as seniors? The hardest part is just trying to build up trust. Uh, I think we were two and seven our first year, so there wasn't that win right away and you know it solves all problems, but then as we progressed, it, it just got a little bit better each year. And you could really see the growth on the field. And then obviously with the off the field things that were occurring within the school, it kind of all came in together and we just kept it rolling. And then as young men come in as freshmen, especially after you know we won the first state championship the mindset's different because the, the kids understand hey i want to be a part of that i think we had 45 freshmen in our program this year which is our biggest number to date how many um, how many freshmen did you have the first year when you came in we had 12 at our very first practice 12 12, 12, 12 players total. yeah wow so i mean that that shows a little bit of growth right there it's a lot um, of growth right there. and you know we, we lose some kids along the way but the majority will try to do what they're supposed to do because of wanting to be a part, wanting to belong. 
So, Fabian, your, your, your older brother went here? Yeah. Do you know back, you know, way back when he was playing that you were going to be coming here too? Uh, yeah, when I was in about seventh, sixth grade, I knew I would be coming here. Was it just about football, did you think, or was it just, you know, the, the opportunity like Coach was talking about, you know, with the education and, and uh, the way this has, you know, become a turnaround school and the school has turned around itself? Yeah, I would say it was uh, a little bit of both because you could see what the coaches were doing with the young man's life, so it's like, it was football, but then it was part of the coaching staff, too, being able to develop the young man into who we are today. All right, first play of the game, we run Chiefs. Let me go to the tight. What's the call, in? We're graduating 100% of our seniors the last six years. 100%? Yeah. Wow. And, and that, for us, is a big deal. More and more young men are getting opportunities and going to college and, and doing great things whether football's a part of it or whether it's not, they're getting an opportunity. And at the end of the day, that's all you can ask for is just the chance, the opportunity, and then you gotta make the most of it. As my journey continued in the Windy City, it was time to hang and learn more about two cultural touchstones of the city. Comedy and of course, the Bears. Y'all don't have any like the bar, right, to match up? You can do it. I headed downtown to meet up with Charles Peanut Tillman, who played over a decade for his hometown Chicago Bears, and now works as an FBI agent in the community. And Jordan Savusa, a comedian at the Second City, an historic venue that has launched the careers of legends like Chris Farley, John Belushi, and on and on and on and on. How cool was it to come back and be a bear? It's fun. Obviously, growing up here a little bit and having your family and being born probably mm, 10 to 12 minutes from Soldier Field, you don't really think about it. And then you come back and it's like, oh, snap, I'm, I'm back at the crib. It means everything. You know, Chicago, it's a Bears town first. Right. I don't care what Super Bowls, championships, whatever. I want a few M NBA MJ, MJ was here. <laughs> he did his thing, six NBA titles. But it's still a Bears town. It's still a Bears town first. I mean, this, this team was built on, on defense and the monsters of the midway and the bear down and just the slogan and, and, and the cold weather. Like, that, that's, that's Chicago. It's a swag that we carry. What about you? Are you a Bears fan now? Did you uh, adopt the Bears? I did. I had Are you to, lying right I now? I have to be safe. So, I, yeah, I had to <laughs> say I'm a Bears fan and a Cubs fan and a Sox fan. I, I totally agree with you. Like, in Chicago, there's definitely, like, a heartbeat to the city. Yeah that we have here at the Second City. Like the people that came from these stages, like Chris Farley, Bill Murray, Horatio Sands, Rachel Dre, I can name a ton of them, which I do every day. They come to Chicago for the same reason that I came, was to be a part of this community that has just like propelled everyone to like comedy royalty and so on. We've been tackling some like really tough issues over here in Chicago. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot to this city, right? For you, like, how important is comedy amidst all that? We've tackled, so many issues uh, about you know, gun violence and uh, the government. The Second City is not afraid to find a way into that story to show what's really going on with people and uh, Chicago and the country. But sometimes when it comes to politics, when it comes to stuff like that, it's almost the easy way out. But do you think that that's like too easy sometimes or, or, or like you're cheating almost? Ooh, political humor is always a tough one. Maybe people don't want to come into the theater to see more of what's going on. They want a, an, right, escape, an escape, a catharsis. I think sports are really an escape, and yeah. that's one of the things I love about and it. And it's a wonderful escape, and in different ways, uh, that's what the Second City and uh, the Bears provide. It's like we come together just to sit back and watch what's going on 
and just to empathize and sympathize and just have a reaction, just make us think. Yeah. How important are the bears to that, to that process, to the growth of the city? At the end of the day, we're all Chicagoans. And the sports, when we're playing well, when we do well, it doesn't matter what area or what neighborhood you live in, you're a Chicagoan at the end of the day. And I, I, I truly believe that the Bears, the Bulls, the Blackhawks, the Cubs, White Sox, it brings everyone, it pulls everyone together. Maybe why we love the Blues so much, why it's so important to the city of Chicago, is because it's honest, unflinching, raw, a reflection of life experiences set to music with the power to unite. How do you use your music to tell those stories, to represent that? Well, for me, it's a reflection of the time in which you live in and the stuff that has happened to you. I don't write songs about anything that hasn't happened to me. And the reality is, is that every young black person that you know right now today has a friend or a family member that was shot and killed. Yeah. Every young black person you know has a horrible story about their interaction with the police. Yeah. I have a few. So it's real easy for me to speak on these kind of things because that's my life. When we all get on stage and perform, we're singing about our life. And that's what brings the people together because even though we haven't this thing about the ups and downs and the blacks and whites, Music soothes the savage beast. So it, it, it brings us all together. <laughs> My father introduced me to black music, okay. to the blues, okay. you know, to a lot of that, the different stuff that I probably never would have heard. Right. And it was because, like you said, you know, it, it's for everybody. You know, right. It doesn't matter who's behind the instruments. Right. It's on the other side. Yeah, it brings us together. And I think, like yeah. football, it's, it is the ultimate unifier. It's really crazy how music and sports yeah bring everybody together. Like that's the only time that you see all the different races in one spot together, enjoying something, which proves that it can always be that way. Today is game day. My final stop in Chicago, a city I've found to be both beautiful and complex. A city with personality and problem, but a city with the grit and resolve to address the issues head on. In a sports town like Chicago, a city with so much division, a football stadium can be a pretty amazing sight. It's a place where black and white, young and old, rich and poor, can put their differences aside and come together to root for a common goal. And that just might be the point.